Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 22nd, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we're at page XI, which is the preface, paragraph one. Today's readers are Daniel T. on the 12 Steps, Leslie M. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Martha Z., Deb W., and Kelly S. The reference number for Monday, November 21st, is 9281. That's 9281. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Danielle T. to read the 12 steps. Danielle, please press star one to unmute. Good morning, my name is Danielle T. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater in Colorado. And these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danielle. I will now ask Leslie M. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning. This is Leslie M. Katie F., thank you for your service. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm reading the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for, I'm sorry, I just completely got lost for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XI, which is the preface, paragraph one. I will ask Martha Z to begin reading and she will be reading two paragraphs. Thank you, Martha. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your generous service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Preface. This is the fourth edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The first edition appeared in April 1939, and in the following 16 years, more than 300,000 copies went into circulation. The second edition, published in 1955, reached a total of more than 1,150,500 copies, 
the third edition, which came off the press in 1976, achieved a circulation of approximately 19,550,000 in all formats. Because this book has become the basic text for our society and has helped such large numbers of alcoholic men and women to recovery, there exists strong sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. Therefore, the first portion of this volume, describing the AA recovery program, has been left untouched in the course of revisions made for the second, third, and fourth editions. The section called The Doctor's Opinion has been kept intact, just as it was originally written in 1939 by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, our society's great medical benefactor. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, when I read this first paragraph, I was thinking that the sale of the books mushroomed like the growth of the fellowship. So um, 16 years later, we, we start out with 300,000. 16 years later, there's four times as many books that are sold. And then um, another 16 years later, there's um, just about 18 times more. And um, I came into OA in January of 1977. So I had a 1976, <laughs> my first big book was a 1976 edition, which I bought a couple months after I first came in at a, it was a um, one-day marathon. And there was one copy left. And I had this feeling like this book is going to be important. And to be honest, I just read it like a novel and it didn't become important for many years, but I'm very grateful that it's, it's very important today. Anyway, so it talks about, the second paragraph talks about how the book has become the basic text for our society. And I was thinking about, you know, we think about this book like an instruction manual. And the basic text would be the, the main thing that we would use to recover. So um, in, in this paragraph, the word recovery is mentioned twice. And to me, I, I have it underlined in green because it, it's, it's a hope, it's hopeful, but it's also a promise. And um, we talked about a lot yesterday about being recovered and not cured. And um, on page 85, it says, we are not cured of, well, I'm going to say compulsive overeating. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So... Uh, right before that, um, on page 84, I guess, into 85, we have the 10-step promises that start with, and we have ceased fighting anyone or anything, even food. I'm going to say food. Um, so that's, that's a beautiful um, description of what recovery is like. Um, so I, I, just, I wanted to talk about my experience because sometimes I feel I, I struggled my first 12 years, and I feel like I I want to apologize for that, but back in that time, we did not know what the problem was, and we did not know what the solution was. We definitely thought the problem was food and weight, and the solution, I don't, I don't think we thought we could become recovered. Um, I, I was hoping for a little respite, but I didn't, we didn't talk about being recovered, and I used to think about the second step where it said came to believe that we could be restored to sanity and I would truthfully say yeah 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 I think that's going to happen but not in this lifetime so I just want to say that I'm so grateful that 
that it, it that it actually happened in this lifetime. I I but it is it is you know as the direct result of of uh, living in recovery and working these steps. So then it goes on to say the first portion of this volume has been left untouched in the course of revisions made in the second, third, and fourth editions. So that means that the preface and the forewords and doctor's opinion, first 164 pages, has been kept intact, just as it was originally written in 1939 by the late Dr. William Selfworth. And um, the, the last thing I just wanted to say about that is when it first came out, Dr. Silkworth did not sign it. He he definitely did not think that the medical community would. The medical community did not think like he did about this, and I I think he, you know, was trying to protect himself at that point. But um, ten years later, in 1949, he signed it. So that would be one change. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for letting me share. I'm so grateful to be with all of you. Thank you so much, um, Martha. I'm sorry, my electricity just went out. I need to move to where I can see. Oh, my goodness. Okay, who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Charles H. Yes. Rachel. Okay. Charles H., Rachel S., Nessa R., Nessa R., Nessa R., Amy G., Larry K., Amy G., Tina S., Tina S. Kathy who? Kathy something. Yes, Kathy C. Kathy C. Holly S. Okay. Holly S. Okay, let's go with those. I have Charles H. Was it Reba P? No, I'm sorry. Someone with an R. Rachel? I don't know. Nessa, Larry K., Amy G., Tina S. Kathy C. and Holly S. Is someone with an R there? Was that Rachel W.? Yes, Rachel W. Thank you. I thought it might be Rachel W. Okay, so we'll start with Charles H., then Rachel W. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, The basic text, left untouched. On the first edition, the doc's opinion was on page one, and it... (laughs) You know, in, in my humble opinion, it is, um, it, it's left untouched. It's pure gold. It, it has nothing, um, no other metals in it. It's solid. Um, so I just wanted to say that. And, and I just wanted to say that I agree with the people that come on the line and, you know, and say this is not a religious program. It, it, it's also not a weight loss program. It's not an atheist program. It's not an agnostic program. This is a program of action. Right, and, and and this thing works. It's a basic text. It's a textbook. It's it's a workbook. It's a study book. Um, I wanna um. I wanna reference page nine, of what what um Roland and 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 the mother two dudes that went to well it was two of them that went to um court for Abby. They said, it, it's a simple in Bill story. It's a sim it's a simple, religious idea and a program of action. And it, it, it worked. It was evident. It worked. And it continues to work. And that will take me to page 85 where, you know, I, I learned something. Always reading it, always looking at it. Um, I learned this 10-step prayer is, is awesome. So to something out there or to God or to whatever you want to call your higher power, 
um, every day is a day we when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Those are the thoughts I need to get with every single day. Because guess what? Page 85 is smack middle, smack in the middle of this basic text that has not been touched. It's pure gold. Do not try to dilute this thing. It works. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, now we'll have Rachel W. followed by Nessa R., then Larry K. Okay, thank you so much for your service, and good luck with your electricity. <laughs> this is Rachel W. Recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from New York. Thank you for this meeting. And, um, you know, I'm thinking April 1939, you know, I love history. And when you think about the world then, you know, Germany invading Poland and World War II starting and all the, you know, societal threats, you know, going on. And um, I'm thinking also about my relatives, you know, who were alive back then and their struggles and, and pro- probably their struggles with addiction, you know, and I'm wondering if any of them picked up this book. And and it's it's really paralleling to me now, you know, thinking that, the world, you know, can I say that there's not threats today? Of course there are. And, and you know, but this program and, and what they did here in 1939 by putting it into print was it could be carried throughout the generations, that I could have it here today with me the same way that these people recovered in 1939, you know, and, and they're struggling with the same stuff, the same relationship issues, the same, you know, fear of fears, the same, we're not so different from, from those people yet, you know, the solution is the same as well. You know, the solution is to continually every day realign myself in this process. You know, we mentioned the word recovered on the page before, um, in the, in the title page and, you know, recovered means I, I have a totally different response to life today. You know, my response is how can I enlarge my spiritual base to allow God into this moment because right now I'm agnostic when it comes to this certain issue. You know, how can I expand myself so that my my step two can be larger than anything else going on in my life, any world event, any issue, any situation, whether it's with me as an individual or on a global scale, you know, how can I respond to life? I remember when the Twin Towers were hit and they were coming down. I grabbed a banana. Like, you know, that was my solution, you know, and, um, it sounds harmless. It sounds harmless to other people, but I know I can say this here, and I you can understand me that that I, I I felt like I was in chaos. I felt like I lost myself, and and I don't have to do that today. And and it is a one day at a time thing. And I just have to make the decision every morning to wake up like this. And if I do this enough, and I can leave my family with a message and a, uh, that there is a solution, that there is a way out, that in 100 years from now they can find this meeting in a time capsule somewhere and listen to all our voices and, uh, and be inspired. That would be just like the coolest thing. So um, thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, now we have Nessa R., followed by Larry K., then Amy G. Hi, uh, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this uh, sentence here um, speaks to me uh, very loudly this morning uh, and has helped such large numbers of alcoholic men and women to recovery. Um, and it speaks to me, um, I guess, on two fronts. The first front is that we start to read in the preface, and we're going to read in the foreword about the success of this publication, the multiple printing, the multiple editions, 
which fuel the growth of the fellowship itself, you know, to, you know, hundreds and thousands and, and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of, of members and recovered um, alcoholics, uh, groups uh, all over the world, all kinds of languages. And, and, you know, the reason for that is because it works. Uh, and this is what this, this, this sentence says to me, it works. Something that works grows, expands, and it has no need for change. Something that doesn't grow, that doesn't uh, work, needs to be changed, needs to be tweaked and improved, and it certainly won't grow like this has grown. So it just tells me, number one, that, it, that, that this works, and it gives me a tremendous amount of hope. And the second thing it says here, it says, help such large numbers to recovery. It doesn't say help such large numbers to sobriety. Because this is not about sobriety. This is not about abstinence. You know, um, we can all be abstinent, um, at least for a period of time, without, without this book, without having um, to do all this work. But it won't last. This is about recovery, which is, which is a lasting and enduring condition, provided we follow the instructions that are provided herein. And that's what it is about. The goal is not abstinence, because if our goal is abstinence, we won't even have abstinence in the long run. The goal has to be recovery. Um, and this book leads us to, to that recovery. And uh, has certainly been the case for me. Um, you know, when I was looking for abstinence, um, it, it, was just, it was just misery. Um, you know, I was miserable and insane within the food, and I was miserable and insane when I was out of the food. But recovery is about sanity, about happiness, about joy, not just about abstinence. And that's what I've experienced following these this, this instructions that have never been changed in over 80 years of scientific progress. Um, and a better solution has not been um, developed that at least that I know of yet. Um, and um, I've experienced the benefits of, of, um, of this process outlined here. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Nessa. Now we'll have Larry Kay, followed by Amy G, then Tina S. Thanks, Katie. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. The, um, you know, <clears throat> this basic text, um, it, uh, following these instructions changed my life. The, um, can you imagine, you know, um, when Jonas Salk, um, you know, came up with this way back in the 1950s. There may be one or two people on the line that remember the scare during that time. I've read a lot about it. Can you imagine people were dying off this, this polio virus, right? And this guy, not just him, there was, you know, built on other shoulders, came up with a, uh, a vaccine, a cure for this thing. And can you imagine if he kept that to himself? Because he, he, once, once he and others came up with the research for this stuff, um, and it was saving lives, you know, he knew, he knew now that that would work. It would work. And see, this is the thing. When it happens for someone, when this practical program of action followed, if it didn't happen for me, I couldn't in good faith speak to other people about it being real. I mean, think about it. If I was hesitant about this working in my life, how could I in good faith, wouldn't there be some trepidation? Could you imagine there'd be some trepidation, you know, uh, uh, unless my motives were impure, 
unless I was trying to get something for myself. Right? But even that wouldn't be sustainable, would it? It wouldn't be sustainable. So when you hear many people on this line and many thousands of people uh, in 12-step programs whose lives have changed by following this practical program of action, following it precisely, there's some musts in this book. They're offered as suggestions, but there's some musts. And their lives have been transformed. They can't help to be like Jonas Salk and, and talk to others about it. You know, because um, this is what we have. This is what we have. So this basic text, when we follow it precisely, we get a certain result. And you know what? Um, as in so many things, especially with us compulsive readers, our history is our greatest asset, asset because we arrived at the doors of AA with uh, an intensive and lengthy history of things that do not work. And today in OA and in recovery, our history has added an intensive and lengthy history of things that do work. They do work. And we will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We hear that in the promises. No, we carry the message today. It works. This stuff works if you work it, if you follow it precisely. Grateful for AA and for OA. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, now we'll have Amy G, followed by Tina S, then Kathy C. Good morning, Katie. This is Amy G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maryland. Um, thank you so much for your service. Wow, I mean, talk about the growth. I mean, that's what others have said, just between the third and the fourth edition from like a million to 11 million. I mean, this is, someone might have said it earlier, but I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, this book is considered, the power of this book and the influence this book has had, it's in the Library of Con Congress. I think it's top 10 or top five considered by the world as one by our country as one of the most influential books of our of the 20th century. I mean, this is exciting stuff, folks. We are embarking on a journey again. We started yesterday, and the shares are so powerful because of what? Because of the power of the instructions in the first 164 pages to save lives. I am excited to embark on a journey with you all again because I know even though it's the same pages, the same words the power of what this book is going to teach me again and again and again. And for the newcomer, I say, come on, grab our hands, let's go. We are on an exciting journey that has a fact, that has a fact in there. Facts that say if you do what these instructions say to do, we, you have the power to change. You have the power to be recovered from this mental obsession that drives us again and again and again to the hot flame on the stove, to the food. I have had someone say to me, so you're reading that book again? I mean, like, what can you get after it after almost three decades? And I can say, I am excited. I laugh. I have a friend of mine in a meeting that says every time he rereads the big book, he goes, when did they put those words in there? Because every time I read it, I, I glean something new. I learn something new. I am always learning in this program. I am always growing in this program. Remember, our recovery is contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. This book means as much to me at almost year 29 that it does when I first opened it up and I knew that I had something I, I, I had to do and I had to follow these instructions. And now we have a vision for you that is growing and growing and growing. Why? Because this book is teaching. It's teaching us something that we need to do if we want to recover. And I'm so excited to be going back and trying again. And so, again, if I say to the newcomer, come on, let's get on this journey. 
Let's continue on embarking on this journey and let's be recovered. Let's be free from this disease so we can then carry the message to the still suffering compulsive overeater. That's what we're here to do. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Tina S., you're up, then Kathy C., then Holly S., then we'll open it up for more people. Thanks, Katie. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Heard so many really good things this morning. So excited to be starting over myself. And, uh, you know, I I love what it talks about. It says that there is a strong sentiment against any change in this book, you know, because it helps such large numbers of people, you know. If it's working, leave it alone, you know, and I – for me, you know, there was a many times when stuff was working and I thought, well, maybe I have a better idea. Well, obviously, I had to come back into the rooms because I certainly didn't have a better idea. And I like, you know, some words in here, you know, basic, you know, basic text. There's a starting point. And then we got printed material for the work. And what's the work? It's the 12 steps, you know. And, you know, and I just, I love attending this meeting daily because I, I get energized. I get inspirations from all the people that are still doing the deal and still getting the deal, you know, and, and I love that the doctor's opinions has stayed intact. It has not changed or was not damaged. And because it's, it's where the problem is, it explains the allergy and the allergy, the body and the obsession of the mind, you know, so that we can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So there is a solution, you know, for many, many years, there was not one for me because I wasn't willing to see anything different, you know, and every time I read this part of the book, I graduated in 1976 from high school. And by that time, there were already 20 million copies of this book out there. You know, for me personally, I was already in the throes of my food addiction, but my next diet by the time I was graduating from high school was booze. You know, and so therefore I have another little journey to go on. But there was always this solution. You know, there was this solution so that when I was ready, when I was willing, when I was ready to do something different, I was ready to get something different. And and so I follow this stuff one day at a time like everybody else, you know. And uh, with that, I'll pass. I, I love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, um, Tina S. Now we'll have Kathy C. followed by Holly S. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C., and I'm from Montreal, Canada, a uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive eater. Um, At the very beginning, you know, first being introduced to this uh, big book, I, I was um, I wasn't sure why we would have to read this book. I mean, after all, I just had a food problem. I just wanted the ideal diet. I just wanted to be skinny, and just think my life would be great afterwards. But um, that was not the case. Um, I was introduced to the book, and the first thing that struck at me was that um, the word you know recovered, um, and only having having done the steps, had I realized that that was the first promise, you know, uh, it's a past tense, recovered, not, uh, you know, struggling day in and day out, you know, just, you know, saying just to do it for, for today, being happy for today, but for for always, you know, and um, it is, it is continuous for me, uh, you know, there is growth, and the, um, Another thing that stands out is the basic text, you know. Um, It it, it was a basic text to study and apply the instructions to recover, you know. So this, again, was was new 
for me. Um, and then it goes on. There exists strong sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. Well, why? Because it actually works. So again, there's hope. There's hope. There, there's hope here. They're telling us we're going to be recovered and that we have a textbook to study and apply. And um, it's been working for so long. So having read this at the very beginning and having, you know, um, been been taught this by a sponsor, um, it really helped me to go on with the steps, you know. So I'm, I'm really grateful um, for this meeting here today. Thank you very much, everybody. I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, Holly S., you're up. Good morning, and thank you for your service. This is Holly S. from Fort Worth. Um, you know, I'm I'm um, very interested in some of the phrasing in these first two paragraphs. Um, a sponsor pointed out a few things to me. I'm still recovering, so um, I'll share with you what was um, given to me. But um, uh, this is the fourth edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, what we have in front of us is a historical account of AA. It's not an opinion. It's not what somebody think happened. Um, it's what actually happened. And so we have um, a foundation laid out before us of, well, this, this worked. This works. It still works today um, if I'm willing to, uh, to take the, the necessary um, action that this program requires. I remember speaking with my sponsor and, and telling her that uh, I, I wrote in the top of my book uh, above uh, the title preface, I wrote, I'd like to see this kind of growth and recovery because I come out of um, you know, many years in the OA rooms where we tell people keep coming back, you know, it works if you work it, and um, just keep coming back, just keep coming back, but not seeing, not seeing the kind of growth and recovery that's um, recorded here um, in, in this first paragraph. Um, I'm, if I really sit and just try to wrap my mind around it, I'm, my mind is boggled that, um, that, that this really happened and it's not being shared in other rooms, um, and, and not as, as meant as, as negative. But if I will, if I will do my part, if I will follow this plan, and if I will work through my resentments, and if I will do the things that uh, my sponsor is asking me to do, I'm suggesting, you know, the must, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, if, if I want it, I mean, it's here, but I have to do my part. Um, you know, I can go back into the rooms and share with those who are still, um, you know, aimlessly like, well, I just keep coming back. We're, we're hugging them to death. We're hugging them to death. And I'm so thankful to be here. And um, in, in Texas, we have a saying that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Who else would like to share on these uh, first two paragraphs on page XI? Harlan G. Yvonne T. Okay. Harlan G. Marie J. Kelly S. Sorry. Okay, Harlan G. Um, I'm sorry, could you say your names again, please? Marie Kelly J. S. 
Marie J, and Kelly S. Anybody else? Okay, let's go with those. Go ahead, Christine Harlan. K. I'm sorry, Christine K. Chris, Christine K. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It's Harlan G. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you for your service. Can I be heard? Yes, very well. Okay, thank you. Thank you. We're looking at something that talks about Dr. Silkworth, the little doctor who loved drunks and how his opinion was kept intact as the rest of the book was kept intact. There were two minor little things that they did change. In the 12 steps, they changed the word spiritual experience to spiritual awakening, and they added Appendix 2, just for historical accuracy. But let's talk about Dr. Silkworth for just a minute here, because this is very, very important. The little doctor who loved drunks was asked by Bill Wilson to write the, his opinion for the big book. Originally, it was in Chapter 1. It was moved to the Roman numeral section because Dr. Silkworth was not an alcoholic, and it was felt that the main body of the book, the Arabic numeral section, was to be for alcoholics and by alcoholics. But let's take a look at something. Dr. Silkworth was scared to death to allow this opinion to be published. He did not want his name in there. And the reason is because at that time, in 19, the book was written in 37 and 38, published in April of 39. As it was going to the printer, they were making revisions right up to the point where it got to the door of the publisher. Dr. Silkworth was scared, and he said, do not put my name in there. They'll run me out of the medical profession. But what did God do? He moved in. Harry Tebow, Bill's psychiatrist, the, one of the first members of the alcoholic board, non-alcoholic member of the AA board, he wrote a paper in 1949, and the American Psychiatric Association, the American Medical Association in 1949, 10 years after the book was published, accepted alcoholism as an illness. And Dr. Silkworth said, you can put my name in there now. So from the 11th printing of the first edition up till today, you have his name in there. He Dr. Silkworth died in 1951. But he remains our great medical benefactor. Because his opinion, when left intact, is pure perfection. There's nothing about it that's inaccurate. And there's nothing about it that isn't life-saving. The people imbued by the spirit of their higher power change the world. So what's the lesson there for us today? What's the lesson there for me today? That if they can do these tremendous things, when they are bolstered by the power of their higher power, spirit, their higher power. I'm reticent to use the word God. I don't want to offend anyone. But for me, I use the word God. Look at what, look at what they did. And those opportunities to create miracles of recovery are there for us today if we take them and we do the work that they did and we hold God's hands. And when we do that, miracles are possible and they're happening every day. Look at the growth of this fellowship. Look at the growth of vision for you. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, we'll have Marie J. followed by Kelly S. Then Christine K. Good morning. This is Marie J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and 
still always a little nervous to speak on this line. Um, I'm newly recovered, and I am sponsoring, and I am now in living in steps 10, 11, and 12, and it's exciting, and I never, never want to forget what recovery feels like and how powerful this is. And in order to never forget, I have to get on this meeting every day. I have to share what I have to share, and we all have something to share. And I have to be reminded every day that I'm an addict. And when I'm not in a state of recovery, I will do anything to eat. I will do anything to cover up my feelings and my insecurity with food. And it's not the answer. And if I stay in steps 10, 11, and 12, if I stay in step 10 and continue to take my inventory, and if I stay in step 11 and continue to have a personal and committed relationship with my higher power, and if I stay in step 12, even as difficult as it is to get on the lines and, and be afraid that I'm going to be judged or whatever, I am carrying a message to the best of my ability with what I've got to share. And if I carry the message to a sponsor, as, as much as I can share to the extent of my experience, strength, and hope, then I am continuing to live in steps 10, 11, and 12. And um, there's this uh, ancient proverb of a man who, who had two, two stacks of hay to choose from, and he could never make a choice, and so he died. He starved to death. And it's all just about choices, you know, and today my choice is to live in recovery and to live in steps 10, 11, and 12 and to get on these lines every day. It's just a choice because the alternative is that I can not be in freedom and not live in joy and not have happiness. I can die a slow death of insanity and addiction. So for me today, and thank you, God, it is an easy choice to make, and it requires three simple steps, not always easy to do, but simple nevertheless to do my inventory, stick with God, and carry the message. I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Marie. Okay, we'll have Kelly S. followed by Christine K. Hi, this is Kelly S. in Oklahoma, Recovered Compulsive a reader. Um, well, I wanted to share a little bit about kind of how, to me, I feel like in my area, and this is all my opinion, just want to preface my share with this, but in our area here, um, you know, I've shared with you guys, I came in over 30 years ago, actually longer than that. I was 16 when I first went to my first meeting, but, and I'm 54. But anyway, um, so anyway, when I came in um, back when I was 20, our meetings in this area were huge. And they, we had several, I mean, we had, I mean, 50 to 100, we'd have these, you know, conventions, we'd have these um, uh, daily retreats, just unbelievable amount of numbers. Our fellowship was huge. And then, you know, over the years now, it's gotten down to where we just have, you know, literally a small handful of people. And I kind of quit going to the meetings because, you know, the recovery wasn't there. And what I thought, what I was thinking about as we were reading this was, you know, what happened for us and what I've seen in OA, what I've seen, my experience is, it's become watered down. You know, it's become about 
the fellowship and the tools, and all these are important, but we've gotten away from the basic text. And that's what got me to this Vision for You meeting when I started listening, because I'm like, you know, it was back to the basic text, back to your basic math book. I mean, how are we supposed to be doing, you know, the algebra and calculus, which I, you always wanted to skip the basic crap, you know, but this is where the recovery is. And it's not in all, for me, it hasn't been in all the other literature I tried. You know, it's like it's back to where, as I said, the part that hasn't been changed since 1938 and 1939, because why? It worked. This is a program of depth and weight, where all the other stuff became watered down. I think the fellowship is important. We all finally were like, oh, my God, there's finally people that eat and think and feel and do the things I do. And, you know, these are my people. And that drew us together. And we were doing cookouts and parties and all kinds of dances. And it was great. But the problem was it wasn't a, a program of depth and weight. And so it just dwindled away because we got away from the basic text. And when I started listening to Vision for You four years ago and realized the recovery is in this big book, if I choose to do it. It took me two years of listening until I finally decided, as they said, it's not for those who need it. It's not for those who want it. It's for those who do it. Listening to the meeting every day, I mean, it got me to that place. I'm grateful I did it. But let me tell you, listening to you guys, it's awesome, but it doesn't get you into a recovered state of mind unless you start working this program as it's laid out in this big book where it began in this basic text. And I, you know, I just wanted to share that because I think our, our, um, I think my thing is today. I need to get my. Um, this message back to the meetings and, um, and you know, carry the message and, re- and, and remind people this is where it's at because I think it's been lost over the years. So with that, I share, I share, I pass. Glad to be here. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Christine Kay, you're up. Good morning. This is Christine Kay, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I wanted to share... Um, where I was when I first came in and how this paragraph right here shifted my thinking. And I was a desperate, hopeless, compulsive overeater in OA for 20 years and could never um, maintain abstinence because I wasn't um, working the steps. I had the big book, but it sat in a drawer. And when I um, listened to the Vision for You meetings and heard everyone share, I finally decided to leave my name and somebody gratefully said, I will take you through the big book. And I was so scared and so hopeless. And I thought, nothing's going to work. I've been in OA for so long. It's just not going to work. And we read the doctor's opinion and then we went to the preface and I have this paragraph bracketed and highlighted the first portion of this volume describing the AA recovery program has been left untouched. And then in the margin, I wrote, wow, unchanged since 1939. And that was the first spark of hope for me because hadn't I in my professional life in, um, I'm an educator, haven't I studied textbooks? of others' philosophies, and haven't I tried, put my trust in teaching methods um, that I wasn't sure about but tried it anyway? Why wouldn't I do that for this text? And when I started shifting my thinking with the help of someone that guided me through this book, 
that this is a text that has been left unchanged in all those years. There must be something in here because in education, every you know, every few years things are changing and we're, we're newer, better, faster, you know, um, new techniques. But this precious volume, these words of wisdom, the first 164 pages have been left untouched. Why don't I study it? And I did with somebody else and became recovered. And every time I read it again with someone else, something else pops out to me. And I'm so very grateful. And I pass. Thank you so much, Christine Kay. Okay, we have time for two or three more shares. Would someone like to share on this? If not, we'll just move on to um, um, Deb W, who will read the next, the rest of this uh, preface. Deb W. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. This is Deb W. Recovered from Oklahoma. The second edition added the appendixes, the 12 traditions, and the directions for getting in touch with AA. But the chief change was in the section of personal stories, which was expanded to reflect the fellowship's growth. The old story, Dr. Bob's Nightmare, and one other personal history from the first edition were retained intact. Three were edited, and one of these was retitled. New versions of two stories were written with new titles and 30 completely new stories were added. And the story section was divided into three parts under the same heading that are now used. In the third edition, part one, Pioneers of AA, was left unchanged. Nine of the stories in part two, they stopped in time, were carried over from the second edition. Eight new stories were added. In part three, they lost nearly all. Eight stories were retained. Five new ones were added. This fourth edition includes the 12 concepts for world service and revises the three sections of personal stories as follows. One new story has been added to part one, and two that originally appeared in part three have been repositioned there. Six stories have been deleted. Six of the stories in part two have been carried over. Eleven new ones have been added, and eleven taken out. Part three now includes 12 new stories. Eight were removed in addition to the two that were transferred to part one. All changes made over the years in the big book, AA members' fond nickname for this volume, have had the same purpose to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous more accurately and thereby to reach more alcoholics. If you have a drinking problem, we hope that you may pause in uh, reading one of the 42 personal stories and think, yes, that happened to me, or more important, yes, I felt like that. Or most important, yes, I believe this program can work for you too. And you know, uh, it, you know, in essence, the, this is telling me that one of the, and I remember that one of the way that I stayed attracted to this program is that I could identify in 
with uh, what these stories. Actually, in the beginning, I I know I read through the first 164 pages, I'm sure, but what I where I really focused on were the stories. And I actually believe I read and reread the stories and then worked the steps from the OA literature and other people's way of uh, doing the steps not knowing that the book holds the exact detailed way to work through the steps. Um, I, uh, let's see, so what I, I have some notes on here. I'm trying to read them, but uh, it's a, I have on here, like others have said, that the big book is the textbook. It's instructions, and the aim and the goal is for us to get recovered. I mean, and, you know, a lot, a lot of times, and my, the sponsor that took me through the uh, big book when I came to uh, Vision, you know, we referred constantly back to it. It gives us an answer to, you know, just about any question that we would have. I mean, my current sponsor, I can call about something in my life, you know, something, you know, that you wouldn't think that there would be a detailed uh, reference in the big book, and there is. You know, it's a way of living for us. Um, let's see. Um, let's see what. And these steps are set up, the little notes that I have, they're set up to be worked in order because one of the steps builds upon the other step. Uh, and if we just go from one to the uh, to the end, we will recover. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost promised that we will recover from the incessant bondage of certain foods and behaviors and from the allergic reaction when I eat those foods and the mental obsession to have them again. Uh, that's what this book tells us how to do. Um, and I think with that, um, I pass. I think I'm still asleep this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. Okay, we have time for one person to share. Would one person like to share? If not, I'll just jump in. Okay, Paula D. Sorry, I heard Paula D. Okay, go ahead, Paula. And thank you. Thank you for this this opportunity to share. My name is Paula D. I am currently in New Hampshire, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. You know, it was so, the history was so shared beautifully, but today, it's not history. It's what we live, and I'd like to kind of circle around the, this paragraph here. The last one read, and knowing there can be no ending of this disease without a beginning, and here we see a beginning. And it tells you about the changes, oh, many changes in my life, and, I, and I'm sure that those that were here will talk about the changes. But look at here what we're talking about, made over the years in the big book. I love this part. Look at what they put in parentheses. AA members' fond nickname for this volume, the big book, the big book. I needed a big book. And this is what it says, has had the same purpose. Wait, all the changes that were read. The same purpose, to represent the current membership of alcohol. There we are. We read about the history, but here we are. You know, I'm just going to say one thing here, and I know my time is is limited here. Um, 
I remember that in all ways. So here I lived my life, and there are 11 chapters, 11 chapters, and every title, oof, it's life-changing. But I always said, well, you know, Bill was always so fond of the number 12, 12 traditions, 12 steps. Why not 12 chapters? Maybe he left one for you. You see, he left one for me. And I want to go right to this last phrase, and this is where I will end. If you have a drinking problem, we hope that you may pause. Pause in reading one of the 42 personal stories and think, yes, that happened to me. Or more important, yes, I felt like that. To identify in, finally. Or most important, yes, I believe this program can work for me, too talk about being included. Thank you for the time given. With that, I do do stop, pause, and I end there. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. So if you would like to stick around for the second unrecorded hour, there'll be uh, more opportunities to share on this. And thank you to everyone um, who has shared. Uh, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Kelly S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thanks, Katie. Uh, This is Kelly S. again in Oklahoma, recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge this road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.